0: You're listening to the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Eweni Martinez will be bringing you an inspiring message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. How's everybody doing? Good? Yeah? You may be seated. Um, this is hard, preaching the same thing twice. <laughs> it's not, I'm not used to it yet, I guess. It's a problem. Um, But I want to share something with you really quickly, Um, not really, really quickly, you know, like expect 30 to 40 minutes, I cannot go shorter than that, even if I tried. Um, But it's something that God has been blessing me with, it's something that throughout the years I've seen it works. And the other day someone told me, you know, like, oh, you're so perfect, you seem like you have everything figured out. And I was like, oh, you do not know. (laughs) Sometimes we admire something of someone, and we don't understand there's been a whole process of years behind what we are actually seeing now. And the thing is that many times I've seen that people want what someone has, but is not willing to go through the process that person has gone through. You know, like a lot of people admire celebrities or pastors or CEOs or people that are very successful but the sacrifices and and the persistency, consistency they they had to show throughout the years is a price that you have to ask, do I want to pay that to get that? You know? And and this is something that I want to share with you because it is worth it. It is worth it to make that effort to work at things, to work in life So you get the end result. But if you don't work at it, you're not going to get anything. We are starting a year. Uh, We are on the almost 15th of January. And I know probably you had a lot of resolutions, things you wanted to do in the 2018, right? That today, you're like, oh, gosh, I suck. I didn't do half of what I said I was going to do. And I didn't go to the gym. I didn't wake up earlier. I didn't do my devotional every day. Uh, I didn't say thank you to every person, like I said, the last youth meeting we had. Uh, you know, like so many things that we actually, in only 15 days, have managed to not do. And the problem is that that accumulates, and it, it's like years of failure years of things that we haven't done that are in the back of our mind so when we say again i want to do something they're speaking louder than our own will so i want to give you something very simple to do that you can actually go home and start practicing today in order to get the results that you do want to get but let me tell you It might not be the easiest thing, but it is definitely the worthy thing to do. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to pray and acknowledge God in this place, acknowledge that he is speaking to us today, and just ask him to really transform our lives today more than ever because we need it. Okay? Dear God, thank you so much because your presence is in this place. Thank you because you are ready to speak to us. And thank you, Lord, because you have brought us to this place, knowing that we would come because we needed something from you, we needed a word from you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to transmit your word, to transmit it in a clear way so we can understand it, but also help us to apply it, help us to put it into practice, not today, knowing a year, but right now, starting in this moment. The name of Jesus, we ask you, God, to really come to this place, to take over our minds, to take over the environment of this place, and to control everything we think, we feel, so we can actually surrender it to you and let you speak instead of us arguing against what you say. The name of Jesus, we we declare that our hearts are open, that our eyes and our ears are open, so we can hear your words and receive everything that you have to give us. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. How many of you have heard of Noah? Noah in the Bible, yeah? Can I go down? I feel I'm too far from you guys. So I'm going to go down and get closer to you. Can you move these two, please? Thank you. Noah is a character that we all love, right? Have you heard of Noah, yeah. everybody? It's something, it's, it's a character, that, you know, that in, since childhood we've seen, we've heard, even if you never went to church, at least in, in Toys R Us you've seen the ark and the animals and Noah and his wife all like white hair and white beard. Have you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? We've seen the movie maybe. Have you seen the movie Noah. Yeah, it, it's it, it's not at all similar to the Bible, but has some moments that you're like, dang! If it was like that, it was a horrible, horrible situa- situation to be in. Uh, and and we, you know, we kind of roman- romanticized the story. We were like, oh, it, since it's a, a childhood story, you know, it's like oh, the animals too, you know, in Paris coming to the ark, how beautiful. You know, and, and Noah and the three sons and his wife and their wives. And, you know, and, and, and we forget the destruction. We forget the condemnation. We forget the, you know, the, the um, death. In, in the movie, the movie, it's horrible. No, no, it's a really good movie, but it's like so taken out of context. But in that moment... When God closes the door of the ark and people start screaming and crying out outside, do you remember that scene? It's petrifying. It's a scene that, you know, like I never understood what that meant until I saw that scene in the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, again, there's a lot of things. Please do not believe the movie. It was not like that in 90% of the movie. But that scene, we forget what the story is really about. And we have one man in his family, one man that he was 500 years old when God spoke to him. Maybe you know, you're know you thinking, well, I'm too old. You know, there's no, no fix for me. Uh, I've disobeyed God a lot. I messed up a lot. There's no solution. There's no way I can change. Well, put yourself next to Noah, and you have a lot of hope. <laughs> 500 years was he. he. 500 years. And back then, people used to live a lot longer than nowadays. So 500 years of, of a life, maybe many regrets. Imagine if you have only 23 years, and you have a lot of regrets. Imagine 500 years. <laughs> it's like half a millennium. Dang, half a millennium of regrets and mistakes, and, and a lot of things I you know, like, you would think he had no hope. But however, he, it's, the Bible says he was a man who was righteous. Not because he was perfect. We see in the chapter 8 and 9 that he was not perfect. He was not a perfect man. But he's a man who always would look to do what God asked him to do. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, I'm going to read it from the message. Is there someone translating? Because I, I would need to send all these. No? No translation. Okay. Uh, in, in, I'm going to read it from the message. The message is a translation or it's not necessarily a translation, but it's like a, well, anyways, you don't need to know that. But it, it's a Bible version that I really like sometimes when I get, when I get perspective on, on the Bible. It says, Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of a dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world, as a result, Noah became intimate with God. There was, this was a man who, in the middle of a very corrupt world, if you read the first chapters of the book of Genesis, you know, in the beginning God created, but then, like right away, in the, in the halfway of the first chapter, you see chaos. You know, it's like it starts, it starts chaotic, then God brings everything to order. And then, like, just verses, not even chapters, verses after, chaos comes again. And we have, uh, you know, like a murder on, on the fourth chapter. On the fifth chapter, you have something else. And, and, and then on the sixth chapter, you have a world completely corrupted. A world that the Bible says God regretted creating. A humanity that hurt God's heart. And it was so painful to God to see how men walked astray from him that he decided to destroy everything and everyone. He decided to bring an end to every created thing on this world. Sometimes we have such a wrong concept of God because we only think of God as the God of love. The God of mercy, the God of forgiveness, the God, you know, that that he puts up with me, the God that is patient. We we like all the good side of God, the God that provides, the God that gives me what I want, the God that, you know, like, uh, that is so loving and comes like a father and hugs me and, you know, and gives me, and, 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 you know, like, we, we like that tender side of God, but do we really have into account the righteous side of God? The judging side of God, the, the perfection of God, the God that cannot tolerate sin, and the world, it says that every single person except for Noah, it was counted as unrighteous, unbelieving. He says, my children, the children of God, have walked astray from me. Therefore, he was going to destroy everyone, but he saw Noah. And he saw that Noah, in spite of everything, in spite of adversities, in spite of probably persecution, if you are the only Christian at home, the only Christian at school, and people know that you're a Christian, you're not an undercover Christian, then you know what persecution is like. And that was nothing compared to an entire world versus one. Here, Christianity is still a little bit, somewhat popular. In that time, in the time of Noah, you know, like, 500 years of probably desolation, rejection, people mocking him. Imagine when he finally said, I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to build an ark in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Imagine the mockery, how ridicule he must have looked like in front of everyone. It says that he, however, Listen to God. He spoke with God. God spoke with him because God loved Noah. Not only loved him, but liked him and wanted to offer salvation for him and his family. So he gives him a plan. He tells him what's going to happen, and he gives him a plan. He tells him, you have to build an ark. An ark as large as one and a half football fields. If you've seen a football field, you know it's pretty big. Well, it's not only one. It's one and a half. And four stories tall. Something that even nowadays we don't see often, a building that big. And imagine how many people Noah had to build it. Only his three sons. Imagine it's something impermeable, something so big, so huge, that had to... Be secure enough to save them seven and then the animals God was going to bring. It took him a hundred plus years to build this ark. So, for 100 years, he was already 500, so for 100 years, he had to tolerate. People rejecting him, people mocking him, people making fun of him. Maybe his own family not understanding what was going on. Because he doesn't say that God spoke to his wife, to his children, the wives of his children. He spoke only to him. And the rest of his family had to believe him or not. In Peter, it says that he was preaching to people, calling them to repentance, calling them to come back to God and no one, not even one more person besides his family, believed in the message of repentance, believed on the, on, the, on the opportunity of salvation that Noah was offering. The thing is that there's one particular characteristic that was able to keep Noah alive, but not only alive, but to save him and his family after 100 years of not seeing the promise of God. Some people, you know, it's the most typical, most of you are single, the majority of you, you know, and, and, and you know God has promised you a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And you're like, well, God, you know, I have a four-year-old. Did I tell you that story? No? The, the cutest story ever. We were getting ready for a wedding a couple of months ago. And you know, for a wedding, you, you, know, like you put the best dress, you fix your hair, which I usually never do, so it's something special in my house if I fix my hair. Oh, sorry. You, you put makeup on and all, and Elijah comes to the bathroom and says, you look beautiful. And it's like, oh, thank you. I so why? I was like, well, we're going to a wedding. What's a wedding? Well, <laughs> what's a wedding? How do I explain what's a wedding to a four-year-old? So I was like, well, when a woman and a man fall in love, and and they, you know, um, and I started looking for the words, you know, trying to explain it. And they, you know, like they, they are in the will of God, and God is happy with them falling in love. After a certain time, they decide to get married to form a family, and then they can have children like dad and I had you. Oh, I love you. Can I marry you? He asked me. You know, it's like, no, I'm already married. You'll find, you know, a wife one day, you'll find a wife, you know, a girl that you'll fall in love with. And God will approve, we will be happy for you, and you'll marry that girl. And where is she? And I was like, we're starting already with those questions. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know where she is. Maybe Hannah. No, just kidding. (laughs) I don't know where is she, but, you know, we need to pray. And who is she? And I was like, I don't know. We need to pray and ask God. And if, you know, imagine now he knows that one day she'll come. So it's 20 plus years, like he'll have to wait 30, maybe. No, not 30, but. <laughs> but you know, like he's four, but you are maybe 20, 24, 30. And you're like, what is that person coming? I'm tired of the waiting. I'm tired of being obedient. I'm tired of, like, you not know, trusting God, and God is not responding, so I'm going to go out and, and help God. Maybe it's with a job, you know, like you want something so bad that you didn't even ask God if that's what he wants for you. You went and got it. Maybe it is with buying a car. Maybe it is with changing schools. I don't know, but there's a lot of opportunities in our lives in which our faith and our obedience will be tested. And I forgot to tell you, but the title of this sermon is 100 Years' Obedience. Sometimes we have difficulty being obedient for two days, three days, one week, three years. Imagine being obedient for 100 years, maybe 120, some scholars say. difficult you know it's like we, we're like well but yeah back then people lived 800 years whatever you know it's like 500 years if you had to be obedient 100 years in 500 years as a ratio of one per eight so if you leave to expectancy of 80 years that means 10 years obedience for you can you wait and be obedient for 10 years Every day of those 10 years? Can you work your obedience consecutive? 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 Yeah, that yeah, Consecutive? <laughs> I cannot pronounce it, that's horrible. For, for 10 years, for one year. You know, this is like my—I don't know how many times I've tried to read the whole Bible in one year. And this year, I started again, and and I'm like, God has been speaking to me more than ever about sticking with obedience. Stick with it. You know, it's like, and it's all—it's not easy sometimes. Distractions come. You know, like things come. Uh, you get busy. You get—you know—sidetracked. Other things come. And can you stick with obedience for long enough to see the promise come? Maybe, you know, like Noah had to be obedient for 100 years. What if by the 10th year he got tired? He was tired of it. What if, you know, like what if he even started doubting? They lived in the middle of the desert where they wouldn't see rain at all. So thinking of a, a flood big enough for an ark, it was crazy. How many times has God asked you for obedience in things that you're thinking this is crazy? There's no way. So you gave in, and instead of sticking with obedience, you just did whatever you wanted whatever the people were pressuring you to do. You gave in and and just sinned. You gave in and just you know, couldn't wait any longer, so you said yes or you said no. God speaks. You know, I have... Uh, we, we can see some very specific things in the life of Noah that... Let him not only to be saved himself, but to bring salvation to his family and his descendants. The first thing is that he was able to hear God's voice. God speaks constantly. God, through different ways, he's speaking to us. He's speaking to you right now. Through this message, God is speaking to you. I'm not a good speaker. I don't even speak well English. I'm not coherent enough to, to say a, a message that will, you know, improve your self-esteem and blah, 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 blah. I don't even care to do that. I just care about God being able to communicate with you through whatever I'm saying. And that's why I stick to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is the Word of God. It's not my opinion. It's what God says. And God is telling you that he's expecting you to be like Noah. He's expecting you to have that kind of beatings that lasts a 100 years. So God is speaking to you. The question is, are you hearing God speak? Many times, you know, in in our family, with our friends, we can see people talking, but we're not really listening. I was telling, you know, that before, in, in my house happens all the time, that Pablo asked me sometimes three times for the same thing. And he hasn't been hearing, you know, what my answer was. And I was like, dude... I just told you it's in the kitchen. Yeah. It's in the kitchen, you know. Like go, you'll see it. It's in the kitchen. It's like so. Where is it? It's like, are you serious? Are you doing this on purpose or what? And and he's oh yeah yeah. And then an hour later, so where is it? It's like, dude, like come on. With Elijah, the same happens. Elijah, pick up your toys, and he swears. I did not say anything. I don't know. He has a capacity of not hearing. That is incredible to me. And sometimes we do that to God. You know, it's like we honestly do not hear him, but not because he's not speaking, but because we have developed the capacity of not paying attention to his voice. So God is speaking to you. God speaks to you through the Bible. When you read the Bible, is God speaking to you. You shouldn't question anymore, is God speaking to me? Dude, it's the word of God. So yes, God is speaking to you. God speaks to you when you go to salary, when you have counseling with your leader, when you come to Sundays and you hear the word of God. God speaks to you through songs. Sometimes through other you prophets, through, through people, God speaks to you. Are you listening? Are your uh, ears, you know, Jesus? It's so crazy when Jesus, you know, was on this earth. At, at some point, you know, he says, I'm, I'm speaking in parables, so those who hear won't listen. It, you know, when I read that, it's like, whoa, it means that we can hear, not listen. Like, that, they heard and didn't listen to Jesus, the Son of God. We say, well, if, if I would have been there, how exciting being one of the 12, or being one of the women, you know, that was, were tending to Jesus and being one of the, the people who got healed. What if we would have been like those who heard but didn't listen? Like many times we do today. We cannot judge the people from the New Testament. We do that many times as well. But Noah didn't only hear God, he listened to God. He paid attention to what God was saying. Now, many times we do hear, we do listen to what God is saying, but we do not believe. The second thing Noah did in in Hebrews... Right before Hebrews 11 starts talking about Noah, we have in Hebrews 11:6 6, one of my favorite Bible verses. It is, it is impossible, it is the Bible verse, okay? It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both. How many? Both. One or the other? Sorry, both. wrong finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Both both of them, okay? There's not exclusion, it's inclusion. It says that he exists, and many times we don't have a problem with that. As a matter of fact, I I surely think none of you have a problem believing God exists. That's why you're here, right? But the second one is as important, and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. In other words it's as important to believe that he exists to believe that he responds, that he listens and he talks to me and he gives me direction to follow. When we can believe, you know, like many times we believe in God, but we don't believe God. We don't believe that what he says he's going to do. Why? Because we don't do what we say. Because we are tired of promising things and not coming through. We are, have gotten too used to people promising things to us and not coming through. Like, I'm going to go to your birthday party and not showing up. Or saying, I'm going to return it to you tomorrow and you forgot. Or saying, I'm going to, until death do us apart and you get divorced. Not you. In the name of Jesus, not you. But... It's so common people breaking their word all the time, breaking promises right and left. So we think God is the same. That He doesn't really mean what He says. That He said it, but eh, it's it's subject to opinion, to circumstances, you know, like timing many times, you know. Maybe God will do it. Maybe, like, slowly he'll do it. We don't believe that he can do it immediately. We don't believe that, yes, there's a timing. But when the time comes, his promise will be fulfilled, fully fulfilled. It's so crazy. I've seen, you know, particularly in the past few months, some of you have entered into a life of obedience that is inspiring and it's, it's so evident that when you believe God comes through, and when God comes through, your obedience goes to the next level, and you believe for more, because now you know God have, have come through. I, I remember Melissa. Melissa here? No she left. You know, when, when she was little, uh, she, she was a little girl in age, but she was of a lot of, she had a lot of faith. And I remember I was single, you know, like and I sometimes my parents taught us to pray every night before going to bed. So, some, occasionally, my parents couldn't pray with her, so they would send me or one of my sisters. And I remember one time that um, we didn't have any pets, and she told me, you know, like, what do you want to pray for? And she's like, I want to pray for a cat. And I was like, oh, my dad hates cats, let me tell you. My mom likes them. My dad doesn't like them at all. So I was like, good luck with that. So I was like, well, you pray about it. You know, like I wasn't going to tell, well, dad doesn't want cats. I was like, pray about it. So we prayed that night. And the next day, my dad went to pray for like, with her at night. And she started praying for the cat. So my dad was like, well, you know what, what is my God, my dad, gonna say? And eventually a cat appeared in the house. I don't know how. You know, and she saw that God answered her prayer. So the next time around, she started praying for a DS, DS4. Remember those little video games? Yeah. DS4, yeah? I don't know, like, whatever. The Nintendo, little little games, you know? So I went to pray with her, with her and she's like, I'm going to pray for that, and I'm going to believe God will give it to me. And, and she prayed for it, and it touched my heart so much that I was like, I was already in a relationship with Paula, so like I told him, should we, I don't, I'm completely against video games, but she's praying for it, that's so sweet. Should we get it for her? So God moved our hearts and we bought the DS4. So she actually believed even more to God for for her prayers to be answered. So the next time around, she kept praying and going higher and higher in in her level of faith. And I remember she was nine years old. She was praying for this church, and she was praying for you. She's not here today, but I still remember how she would cry before God and say, God, send young people to CFF. Give us a band. I remember punctually she praying for a drummer. And she continued to pray. She was only nine years old. But her level of faith was incremented Because she was obedient with a little bit, and she saw God come through. So if God came through for that, he can come through for more. And then for more, and then for more. The problem of why you don't see God come through, it's not because God doesn't come through. It's because you have fallen through the cracks of disobedience. And instead of sticking to obedience, instead of believing against all hope, Instead of being obedient a hundred years old, your obedience lasted one day, and by the second day you were full of doubts. And instead of believing to the God that always says the truth, you believe the devil that always lies. But you need to understand in Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human So he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? When God speaks, if we stay obedient, if we continue to do what he asks us to do, he'll come through. He'll come through. He'll fulfill his promises. For the good and for the bad as well. Why am I saying this? Because in this case, it was a good news for Noah, but it was bad news for the rest of the world. And God kept his promise of salvation for Noah, but of destruction for the rest of the world that didn't repent. We are not exception. We cannot continue to live thinking that I can do whatever I want and still go to heaven. And still be blessed. And still get my prayers answered. Because God does not work that way. My obedience brings his blessing. My disobedience brings curse. It's as simple as that. Use that as encouragement the next time you're tempted to disobey. You want to be cursed? Keep disobedient. Disobeying. You want to fail? Keep disobeying. You want to settle for nothing? Keep disobeying. Maybe instant gratification is, looks good right now, right here, but destruction comes after self-gratification. And the worst of this all is that Noah understood something that you need to understand today. Your obedience does not only bring salvation and protection to your life, but for your your generations to come. Because of Noah, it doesn't say because of the sons of Noah. It doesn't say because of the wife of Noah. It doesn't say because of the daughter-in-laws of Noah. It says because of Noah's righteousness, God saved his family. Some of you are blaming your parents. Some of you are blaming even your leaders. God does not care about who is above you. God cares about you and your obedience to him. I, I've been dealing with my child because he's misbehaving a little bit lately. He's not perfect like none of us. You know, I always tell these awesome stories, but, you know, like I'm going to tell you something that is real too. So he's been having not tantrums because he hasn't had it in him to throw himself on the floor and start crying, you know. But he, he, he has been acting up. So I was like, "Why are you acting like that?" I said, like, "Well, because my friends do." I was like, "Excuse me? Yeah, my friends do." So we started talking to him and saying, "No, like you need to obey. You need to behave. Don't talk to me like that. Don't talk back to me that way. Don't give me attitude. Yeah, that's not you." So he started getting that that was wrong. So he he now kind of like I don't know if manipulation or discernment. I don't understand yet what's going on. But he's like, well, then pray for me so I can be like I was four when I was four. He's still four and a half, you know? He's four and a half. But he's praying so he can be what he was or who he was a couple of days ago, you know, obedient. <laughs> and it's so sweet. But even a, a child that young understands that your, your surroundings cannot affect who you are. When you are obedient. If you have have decided to stay obedient, the world won't help you to stay obedient. Not even your family. Sometimes not even your, your significant other will help you to stay obedient. It's your decision to stay obedient. It's your determination. It's your persistency that will keep you obedient and will save you and your family. Now... Does that mean that immediately all your family will be saved? No, the family had to go into the ark too. So they had to be obedient to, uh, to Noah. That doesn't mean that once saved, all your family saved, it doesn't matter if they repented or not. No, they actually had to obey too. But the question is, God speaks to you. Do you listen? And then if he listens, do you believe what he says? Because if you do believe what he says, then you need to obey Stop arguing, stop thinking if it is convenient or not. You know, like I've dealt with a lot of you and a lot of people in general. I've been doing this thing for now more than 10 years. So this has come across a lot. Don't think I'm saying it because of you, okay? Promise me that. But it, it, the, the excuse of, oh, it was convenient. You know, like I stayed to sleep over because it was convenient. I was like, really? And then, like, well, I did that because it was convenient. It was easier. Obedience is not the convenient thing to do. As a matter of fact, um, obedience will be many times very inconvenient. And will take the mockery of the people around you, even if they love you. Because your obedience will expose their disobedience. In, In Hebrews, let's go back to Hebrews. It says his family was saved. Uh, His act of faith, of obedience, drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness, rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. When you are obedient, when you have faith, it really sheds light on people who do not want to be obedient. And because they feel uncomfortable, Instead of repenting, many times they'll point a finger at you saying, oh, you are old fashioned. Oh, you are the santo, santo, you know, like pastorcito here and that. They'll make fun of you. Why? Because they've been exposed. Because they know they're doing wrong, but they don't want to be confronted. They don't want to change. They just prefer to make fun of you and make you fall with them instead of them going up to your level and saying, let's be obedient to God together. If you are in a relationship that takes you to continue to do the wrong thing, dude, think twice before getting married. If you are married with someone that makes you do the wrong thing, you need to, to draw a very sharp line because you cannot say to God the day you go to heaven, oh, my husband made me do it. It's like you have free will, you can choose. You cannot say, oh, my mom taught me, or my dad made me watch porn. Say, Dude, come on. What are you, three years old? I, I've seen a lot of people who have fallen because of their own parents, but we, we all have the power to make decisions. Why? Because God won't ask you to do something without giving you the power to actually do it. He won't tell you to do something that he knows you cannot do. He won't the Bible says he won't put you in a temptation big enough that you know he knows you won't able to endure it. If you go through temptation, he will always offer a route of escape. So don't say anymore, well, I didn't know what to do. Stop with the, the I don't know. My my dad and my mom prohibited us to say I don't know. In my house, it was never said I don't know. Like they would not allow it. Why? Because it's really easy. To just excuse yourself with, I didn't know. Find out. Find out. If you don't know, if you truly don't know, then that's why you have the Holy Spirit to guide you to all truth, to show you the path of righteousness. Don't excuse yourself anymore with dumb excuses. Don't blame others for your disobedience. You are responsible for your obedience before God, as Noah was responsible for his obedience before God. There was an entire world, and this is crazy, because he did not have a church like this to help him out. He did not have a community to build support and say, we're going to do this together. You have that great opportunity, and still sometimes you don't use that, that great privilege you have. The, 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 point is, the point here is, do you really want to be obedient to God? If you want the blessings, then you need to know the blessings comes because of obedience. But when you are obedient, when you follow God, a beautiful protection comes over your life. When you obey God, Protection comes over the people that you love. Prosperity comes. God was able to save, you know, like, not only Noah's family, but also two of each animal, animals in the world. Like, not only Noah was saved, like, the the world was saved because of Noah's obedience, because of Noah's faithfulness. Because of Noah's consistency in his obedience, his diligence. He didn't stop to, you know, have a conversation with God to say, God, do you really think this is a good idea? Do you really think this is the way we should do it? He didn't argue with God. He didn't give his opinions. Many times we hear from God and and instead of immediate obedience, we start having a conversation with God and the devil. Because that's the truth. And, and we start telling God all the reasons of why we cannot do it. All the reasons of why it's not the best idea. We think we know better than God. But when, if we believe in God, we need to believe God as well. When we believe God and we do what he asks us, he does the rest. He does the miracle part. How was Noah supposed to bring all the animals into the ark? He did not have the ability, the manpower, the authority over lions and hippos and and hippos, hippos, yeah. And and elephants and serpents. God did what it was impossible for Noah. God did not ask Noah to do the impossible. He asked Noah to do what he could do. God will take care of the rest. God will do what you cannot do, but you need to do what you can do. I love how Jesus. You know when he resurrects Lazarus, He He did something there to teach us and show us that there's things we cannot do. We cannot resurrect the, the dead, but we can move the stone. And and God loves making us part of His redemption. God loves making us part of His plan. He wants that. But He needs our obedience. He doesn't even need us. If he cannot use us, he'll find someone else. But he wants you. He wants you to be part of his plan. I, I was sharing with you a couple of weeks ago about how I, I gave away my, my Canon camera, you know, like my professional camera. And I gave it to Pastor Fre- Friday. I keep calling him Freddie, Pastor Friday and Pastor Precious in, in, from Nigeria. Remember them? Yeah. And, you know, like the obedience part was not pretty. It was actually hard. It was, like, not nice. It was, like, I felt being torn, you know, and and undecisive. And, you know, is is this really you, God? You know, you you need to know when when there's that impulse to give something away. It's not the devil. I can tell you that for sure. Except your virginity. but (laughs) 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 That's another thing. But when God is asking you to be generous, you know, it's not the devil, it's God. So the obedience part is not pretty, but when I heard gospel, his son, crying on the phone, glorifying God, praising God for God coming through for their prayers of one year. You know how well it felt knowing that I was part of God's plan? Knowing that I was an instrument in God's hands, and my obedience blessed them for their faithfulness and blessed them for their consistency and persistency in praying for one entire year for what they believed God for, and I was part of that. I was part of God's provision. I I became part of God's plan, you know, like, it's like... I could see all of a sudden, you know, God master plan in heaven four years ago, putting in my heart the urge to have that camera. And Pablo was telling me, you do not need that camera. I was like, I do. It's like, no, you're not a professional photographer. You don't need that camera. I was like, I do. I want that camera. He said, but you want it because Chris has it. Chris is my brother-in-law. It's like, yeah, he has it, and it's nice. I want it too. And Pablo was like, no, but you don't need it. It's too expensive. But I want that camera. But let's find out another one. No, I want that camera but you know, like here's another lens, but no, but I, I want that lens, you know, it's like very particular and that persistency and insistency. And you now I wanted what I wanted and what I wanted, and you could not speak myself, speak me out of it. And now and I, I didn't understand there, but you know, four years later, it was exactly what Pastor Friday and Pastor Precious were praying for, exactly to the T, even the lens. And and understanding that my stubbornness, and and I could have given in and say, okay, let's get something cheaper. You know, like, it is costly, so let's go with something cheaper. Maybe we can use the money for something else. But that persistency, and and I knew I didn't want it for myself. You know, I was like, I want that camera. It's not to be selfish and to show it off and say, oh, look at the camera I have, and you don't. It was not for that. I wanted that camera, and I didn't really know why, but I wanted that camera. And seeing how even then, four years ago, when Pastor Friday and Pastor Precious were not even yet praying for that camera, he knew in three years they were going to start praying, and one more year they were going to come here, and I was going to share the word of the African because Pablo was not here, because he planned something last minute with them, and he orchestrated everything, and that was part of that master plan. Understanding that, And understanding how big of a role my obedience have in God's plan, it was like I started crying. Not because I gave away my camera, or because I was sad, or because I was happy. I I I started crying because I was like, "Thank you, God, because you made my heart sensitive to obey you." And now I can see my obedience. It was part of all your plan all throughout long, all, all this time. God even put the, you know, like, I can go even, even further back. You know, the, the guy who sold the camera to Pablo, that was a professional photographer, for, for some reason he decided he didn't need it. God, also, he, you need to understand God, God knows everything. There's no coincidences in God's kingdom. There's only casualties. There's only things that happen because he made, makes them happen. And when we can be part of that plan, when we get to obey, it's not have to obey. Stop saying I have to. You know? When we get to obey and be part of God's plan for redemption, when we get to be part of God's plan for forgiveness, for healing, for restoration, for, for whatever God wants to do, it's amazing. It's beautiful. I, I can assure you I felt more love by God than even them. And the fear of the Lord certainly came to me as well because if I would have been disobedient, God would have had to find someone else to be obedient. But I would have missed the opportunity of seeing God's hand in my life. You have the opportunity today to decide to live a life of obedience. And it's up to you. God won't push you to be obedient. He will try to convince you, but he won't push you. He's a gentleman. And today I want to take advantage that we get to share the communion. The communion is a reminder of God's faithfulness to us. The communion, the bread and the wine, that it's not really wine, it's a reminder that he comes through when he promises something. Jesus is a fulfillment of his promises. And Jesus' death and resurrection is a fulfillment of his prophecies. But as we take this communion today, why don't we take advantage of it and reciprocate that obedience? And and show God that we are serious about these two. That is, if he's going to be faithful to us, we want to be faithful to him. Does that mean perfect? No. We, we should strive for perfection, but we, when we get to heaven, we'll be fully perfect. Meanwhile, we'll continue to, to make mistakes. Not on purpose, but we're human beings and we are a, at a continuous struggle with the old nature. Now, faithfulness means that even if I fall, I get up and continue to strive for faithfulness. Continue to strive for obedience. Continue to say, God, maybe today was not my best day, but I'll keep trying, and I'll keep trying, and I'll keep trying. We need to learn the art of falling forward, of falling and getting up, of not letting the enemy to push us on the floor and nail us to the floor so we never get up again, but to get up and say, God, Please help me be obedient today too. Help me do everything you say. Help me be more sensitive to your voice. Help me recognize your voice better. He'll continue to help you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he's our helper. He wants to help us. Do we want him to help us or do we just want to continue to do whatever we want to do? God gave the people of Noah's land A hundred years to come back to him. And no one came to him except for him and his family. No one entered that ark of salvation except for Noah and his family. Today you have that choice as well. Are you going to enter the ark of obedience? Are you going to enter that ark that offers you salvation at an obedience cost? It is worth it. Because you want to live an eternity with God. But it comes with a price. And the price, it might seem sometimes crazy. It might seem sometimes like it doesn't make any sense. It might seem sometimes, according to some people, ridiculous. But, but when God tells us something and we obey, he is strengthening us to continue to do what he asks us to do. If you want to see God at that level in your life, I want to invite you to stand up. And I had my props again, <laughs> Again, forgot to make them. You want to do them really quick? I have some time still. Yeah, no? Yeah? OK, then you can sit down. Sorry. This is kind of like a classroom situation. But can you, can you, how does obedience look like? What does it look like? Can you pass them around? Obedience is simple. As a matter of fact, you obey every day. You know how to obey, it is in you. You know how to follow instruction. Can you play the music a little bit? You know how to do it, but for some reason, the enemy has managed to convince you that you cannot obey God. That is too hard, that is too painful. But I'm going to show you how obedience works. Don't read the, this is like a Christian magazine, but it's not for you to read. I'm going to teach you how to do an ark. How to obey to the point of building the ark that will save you and your family. So grab your sheet of paper. You're going to fold it in half. So fold it in half, longwise. So this is, mine is bigger so you can see. No, no, the other way. Like, you have it long, fold it in half. No, no, no. No, no. So it's okay, don't no worry. It's like, you have these, fold it like this. Ah. <laughs> that happens with God as well. Sometimes they're like, but how, but how? He's like, with patience, he explains. Fold it in half. You know, that's something beautiful about God. He doesn't grow tired when he sees a disposition to obey. He'll explain as many times as you need to. But sometimes you have to ask. Fold it in half again. Again. So you had it like this. Half, half. Are you following? Okay. Okay open it and you're like what? Just do what I say, open it. And now you're going to make a, you, you're going to grab the corner and where, put your finger where the half of it is. Like not on the open side but on the closed side. And then you're going to fold it in, as a triangle. it's gonna look like this. Okay, so the closed corner is gonna go to the center as a triangle, and you're gonna do it again on the other corner. So it's gonna look like a house. Does anybody need help? You can look at your neighbor. Don't, don't Don't get ahead of the game, wait. So you have like a house, right? So now, you're gonna grab one of the open envelopes and fold it upwards. (laughs) You're gonna do it on the other side as well. Are you doubting me yet? Are you thinking I'm crazy? Do you believe what I say? Do you believe in me? Do you believe that what I'm saying is true? Do you believe that I'm guiding you to do the right thing? The same is with God. Now, you leave it a little bit open, but you're gonna fold the corners to the other side of the triangle. Okay, fold the corners like this. And then you do the same with the other side. So you had it like this, right? You open one of the, the what's it called? Like the flaps, flaps and you fold this piece of paper to the one side of the triangle and then you do the same with the other flap. So now you have a triangle again. Okay, all of you have a triangle? Does anybody need help? There's, uh, remember, remember, like, remember this. There's no dumb questions but dummies who do do not ask. The same is with God. Ask God. But if you say, well, I didn't know, God will tell you, well, you didn't ask. God always gives the answer. Now comes a tricky part. You need to open the triangle. This is like a a bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And make a, a square. Open it and you make a square. Okay? And now you're like, "What the heck is this? It's a sorcery. <laughs> no, it's not. You're following instructions, and you by faith, are obeying my instructions. So you have this open. You're gonna fold one of the slap, no, what? one of the flaps upwards. And then again with the other side. So you have a triangle again. How many of you think this looks like an arc? It doesn't. It doesn't look like it. It's just a triangle. What is it for? And many times in the Christian life, you're going to be like, I don't understand, God, what you're telling me. I don't understand why you're telling me this now. Like. I, I don't follow. It doesn't make any sense. God will say, wait, I'm not done yet. So now you're going to f- grab the, sla- the flaps. flaps and you are going to, what, what do you do? Oh, you do again, like the piquito, you know? So the square, you open it up again and you fold it again. It's another square. Does this look like a sheep? Sheep, sheep? No. But you're gonna grab the two corners and you're gonna pull them to the sides. Okay, so you have the square, grab the open corners and pull them to the sides. Okay. So you do these. Okay. Open it up again. Oh, oh. And now you pull the cords. You all got it. Yeah. And there you have it. This is actually something that can float on water. Tell me, God, let me do it. All of you got it. That's obedience. And this is the final product of obedience. If you can believe me with something as dumb as a paper boat, how, could, how, can, more, how much more worth it is to believe God with our salvation? This is something I want you to have it. We didn't do it in the 9 a.m. service, maybe next Sunday. You're the privileged ones. But have it as a prop. Have it as a reminder. Obedience is not that hard. It just takes doing it, following the instruction. Doesn't make sense, doesn't matter. I believe the character of God. I believe that what he says is true. I believe, I choose to believe that he's not lying to me and that whatever he asks me, even when it doesn't make sense, It will make sense eventually. So have it as a reminder. Now, please stand up. I want to invite my dad to come up to the front. I know we always do, thank you, yes. We always do, once a month, the ceremony of the Communion. It's something symbolic like that boat you just made. But why don't we do it today with the understanding that is, this is God's promise to us. God's promise of faithfulness. God's promise of healing. God's promise of salvation, of mercy, of patience, of love. And when we take this promise, this symbol, we can just tell God, I promise you too, faithfulness, love, consecration, devotion, obedience. You have the opportunity today of something beautiful, the decision to start being obedient, the decision to start doing what he asked for, even when it doesn't make a lot of sense, even when it doesn't make sense at all. You have the decision to be obedient Not because it feels good, not because you feel it, but because it's the best thing available and because you get to be part of his plan for your life on this earth. And through your obedience, many will be blessed. Through your obedience, many will be benefited. Through your obedience, many will be saved. But it starts with you.